return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So, right, the rest of us, let's stand up just for a second. Say it with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're so glad you're here today. And those joining us Facebook Live, we welcome you as well. Carolyn, you and your family, the Hart family, we just bless you today. Thank God for quick healings in your home, in Jesus' name. Those of you joining us from other countries as well, we welcome you uh, that you would join us and be a part of our service here. I just want you to know Jesus Christ loves you. He is alive. He is real. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's answering prayers today. If you have a need, I don't care what religion you are, if you have a need, I just encourage you to call on the name of Jesus. And just say, Jesus, Jesus. Wherever you're at, just say, Jesus. And when you do that, his presence will be there. He will be there. And he will show himself strong to you. How good he is. Hallelujah. So today I'm just talking about thermostats and thermometers. Now this is a topic that we've talked about before. It's a real common topic. Uh, most, of, most of us uh, cars, you know, how many ca- got a car now? It tells you the temperature outside, right? It just tells you right in the dashboard. Boy, a few weeks ago, we're driving up here. It's 22 below zero. It's like, thank you, Lord. Keep the tires up, you know. Uh, just, just driving my truck out here. Two flat tires just through the cold and so, so forth. So uh, a, a thermometer tells you the temperature, tells you what the temperature, room temperature, outdoor temperature is, and so forth. Now, thermostat, on the other hand, if, if you look over on the wall over here, by, not far from Roger, right there, we that's one of the thermostats in the building. This particular thermostat controls this room. There's one for the back room. There's another for the office side. It's zoned heated uh, or cooled. But the thermostat, on the other hand, will tell you the temperature... And then you can set the thermostat to where you want the temperature to go, all right? So in a case like this, when we come on a Sunday morning, Pastor Randon is here first, and he sets the thermostat for a comfortable level to raise the heat, to raise the temperature, all right? So now it's not just registering the temperature, it's raising the temperature of the room, okay? So a thermostat is, it runs on a power source, different than a thermometer. The thermometer just tells you, what it is, thermostat raises it. Now, Christians are like that also. They're either a, they're either a thermometer or a thermostat. Now, a thermometer means that, that their surrounding conditions, they are, they're the temperature of their surrounding conditions. So if it's hot, it might be a Sunday service. If it's hot, oh yeah, praise the Lord, that's wonderful. But then out in the world, they register the same temperature as the world. No different. 
All right. So if the world is cold or uh, they're on their job, you know, or people, you know how it is. The world is people swear people are doing things. They're just the same temperature. No effect whatsoever. They just register the way it is. A thermostat, on the other hand, will regulate the temperature. All right. So Christians that are thermostats will allow God to use them to raise the spiritual temperature around them. Amen? Okay? So there's a power source on the inside, the spiritual mercury. God uses us then to raise that temperature. All right? So we're not just cold like the world or worldly level, but now we're influencing the world for the kingdom of God. Now, in the process of our lives, lots of times, on maybe even on an hourly basis, you could be a thermometer, thermostat, thermometer, thermostat. But what he really wants is for us to affect our environment. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, Isaac had a, had a great message on being agents of transformation on a Wednesday night. Very, very good. You're an agent of transformation. means you help to transform the society around you. Now, Let's face it, most Christians, in general, are thermometers. They register just like the world is. They don't act any different. They don't maybe say anything about Jesus. They're just people, they're like secret service Christians. It's like they find another Christian, oh, you're a Christian. I am too, and they show their little badge, you know, but they're real quiet about it and don't want anybody to know. When in the reality, God doesn't want us to be silent Christians. He wants us to be vocal not just for vocal sake, but that we're living the life. Amen? That your life says something. Amen? Amen. Like, like years ago, I was, I was downtown. There's downtown cafe. Businessmen would gather and so forth like that. And people knew me and so forth. But I walk into the cafe and they say, hey, Dave, I got a joke for you. And without thinking, there's like four or five businessmen at this table. Without thinking, I said, is it dirty? And they all stopped. Like, the guy's thinking, is it dirty, you know? <laughs> what kind of... Cause you know how that's how the world tells dirty jokes, all kinds of things. And the guy said, no. And I said, then I'll listen to it. You know, but it, it affected that environment. All right. Because I don't want to listen to something dirty. Some say, hey, Dave, you got dirty. And then, you know, how some, you could just, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> you know, this nervous laugh. You just heard something you didn't want to hear. So, so we can affect our environment. Let's, let's look at an example. Here's Peter, John chapter 18. And Peter, Jesus had told him now that you're going to deny me. What Jesus really told him, he said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Now, Jesus didn't stop the devil. All right. He didn't stop the devil. He didn't say, oh, no, you can't you can't do that. No, the devil has a right to do all kinds of things because it's a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. So Jesus didn't stop the devil. Jesus said, I've said, I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. So the key was, well, the key that Jesus was praying, Peter, you're going to be in a situation. It isn't going to be pleasant, but I want you to stand strong. Amen. Amen? And so you know the story. Peter eventually went out and, and uh, he denied Jesus three times. Okay, so he's outside by the door. Then, then they brought Peter into the inner circle. The servant girl says, hey, I think you're, you're one, of, one of his disciples also. And Peter says, I'm not. And uh, verse uh, 18, the servants and the officers who had made the fire of coal stood there, for it was cold. They warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them. 
So Peter just stood with the world and acted just like the world. So he was a thermometer. He was registering the temperature. The temperature in that room was a room of hate, mockery, criticism, all of those things. And Peter stood in there and just registered that same temperature. Now, in, in John 14, it says that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Right? John 14, the spirit of truth, the world doesn't have it, but we have it as Christians. It says the spirit of truth will live with you and will be in you. So the thermostat is connected to a power source. All right. The thermostat is connected. A thermometer is just it's, it's not connected. It's just registering temperature. But the thermostat is connected to a power source. Every Christian is connected to a power source. And we think lots of times we think, oh, boy, I don't I don't feel anything. And I I'm weak and I, I can't do much. And of course, which are all lies because we're not led by our feelings. We're led by the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit, who is in us, becomes a power source. He lives with us and he lives in us. Can you say amen? You should write, you should underline those things. He lives with you and he's in you. So, so when you don't feel anything, that's just your flesh saying you don't feel anything. But if you respond in the spirit, you will recognize immediately the presence of God. He is there. He's there. And we cultivate, we have to cultivate the presence of God. Cultivate just this, this understanding that he's around us all the time and in us. Now, Acts 1 verse 8 says you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the power source is in you. So turn to somebody and say, you've got power. And not just a little bit of power. You're connected to enormous power. All right? Enormous power. By the Holy Spirit. There's an outlet over there. I did this at a pastor's conference, and I don't have one here. Should have had Jim just bring in a saw. But anyway, if you, or a drill. The, say, the, the, if I plugged into the power source, all right, so now I'm plugged in. But then the drill has got a, 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 a switch on it, all right, little trigger. And when I, when I pull the trigger, I put a demand on the power source. Now, prior to that, the drill looks, looks like it's dead. Nothing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's turning. But as soon as I put a demand click on the power source, the drill's going to activate. So you have to put a demand on the power of God. No demand, no, no manifestation. People say, well, I just don't have any power. That's a lie. Every Christian has power. Every Christian is connected to a power source. It's just a matter of how much we want to draw from the power. So that's that this that one little, tiny little outfit says 15 amps of power. That's a lot of power. You can do you can maybe run multiple drills at the same time or multiple pieces of machinery at the same time when you put a demand on it. And the thing about the power of God, it is limitless. There's there's no it's infinite. So, so you could take all the believers in the world today at the same time, put into demand on God, boom, he's there. There's not a shortage of power. The grid of the Holy Spirit is not going to fail. It is not, it is not controlled by the world, it's controlled by the power of God. So when we put a demand on that power, something good happens. 
Acts chapter 2. So Peter, of course, goes from, goes from denial and actually is, is upset with himself, you know, bitterness of spirit, because he thought, man, I blew it. Well, we've all blown it at times, haven't we? And so the thing is, the thing is, if you get knocked down, get back up again. Proverbs says a righteous man may get knocked down several times, but he's going to get back up again. Like they had a game yesterday out at the stadium and so forth. Every play, somebody got knocked down. But they weren't out there like, oh, hit me hard. I don't want to get up. You know, they weren't like that. I mean, that would be embarrassment, wouldn't it? I mean, your, your buddies would be like, who are you? Get up, you know. So, so in the spirit realm, that's what we do. We, we, stand, we recover, we stand up. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep going forward. There's no retreat. I mean, folks, all we have is forward. I can't go back to yesterday now. Yesterday's history. I can't go back to some other year. No, we're living today. So Peter now stands up the day of Pentecost, and people are mocking, and people think they're drunk, and so forth. So you've got a crowd of people, thousands, all right, thousands of people. They're mocking the disciples. So I would take from the upper room... The Holy Ghost has moved and so forth. Some of them heard in their own language the praises of God. They're mocking, thinking they're drunk because they're probably laughing. They're excited. All the things acting like an inebriated person when it was the Holy Spirit. So Peter now stands up with the others. He's standing up. Rather than standing with the world now, he's standing with the brethren, standing in the kingdom, and then he begins to proclaim to all these people. These aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Third hour of the day is nine o'clock in the morning. There was a book by that name, by the way, by an Episcopal priest, Dennis Bennett, called Nine O'Clock in the Morning. Talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just stop there to say this. Dennis Bennett, years ago, was in Brookings, South Dakota. And, and he was sharing about the Holy Spirit, and he was at the Episcopal Church. Now, the reason I know this is because I was invited to speak to the adult Sunday school. And the Episcopal priest said, you know, he, he loved the Lord, was charismatic, and wanted me to come and talk about the Holy Spirit. And I said, sure. So I went over, had someone else, took the service here, go on a Sunday morning. He said, we don't have too many people that come. He said, but, but I think it'd be good if the adults could hear you. So in this adult class, on that morning, everybody showed up. So there's 30 adults, 30 adults around the table in the basement of the church, and to hear my story. So I, of course, shared about getting saved, SDSU student, getting saved in a bar, how God transformed my life, and then getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. So there was one lady there who's a professor, a lady that I knew. She's a professor, and she said, well... She said, you don't think we're going to believe this stuff. She said, we had Dennis Bennett here, and I didn't believe him, and I don't believe you. Pretty cold, you know, because it's like you open something up for questions, and boom, that's the question. Cold, cold atmosphere, you know. But then, you know, there was a couple other comments, and then there was a lady who was about in her 80s. Her name was Esther. And Esther, you know, raised her hand. I said, yeah, I didn't know Esther at the time. I knew her, followed her years later, so we became good friends. And Esther said, well, I'd just like to say something. And I said, yeah, go ahead. And she said, well, when I hang up my clothes, God has touched me so many times. So when I hang up my clothes on the line, I pray in tongues every day. Amen. And I thought, keep talking, Esther. Keep talking. This is good. So the atmosphere changed again. 
It changed because here's this lady who's everybody's looking like, you're kidding. Like, and Esther, like, you believe this? And Esther was very emphatic that she believed in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, walked with the Lord, and it was very, very powerful. Esther and I became friends. Yeah, she was, she was a thermostat. So this is just 9 o'clock in the morning, which is real early, Acts, Acts 2, to be drinking. However, however, that was the Holy Spirit. The point is, is that Peter went from being a thermometer to realizing taking courage by the Holy Spirit, standing up in front of thousands of people and being a thermostat. And if you read the book of Acts, of course, you see that that thousands got saved. So we don't even know how many people were there, but certainly had to really project his voice. You know, sometimes we think, I just thought of this, Jeannie, we were, in, we were at a church in Portland, Oregon, so we're out in a tent, and there was pastors and so forth, and pastors came to this meeting from all over the, all over the world, and, and there was uh, uh, some people asked for some, com- uh, some comments and so forth, and this pastor stood up a long ways from us, but stood up at the corner of the tent. Now, he was from Africa, and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a big fella, but he opened his mouth and his voice projected, it was like a megaphone. It was like, whoa, and everybody was, everybody's pretty blessed, you know. I, he was a preacher. He preached with no sound system or anything like that, and obviously really could project his voice in clarity. It was very, very powerful. Obviously, that happened here. So Peter wasn't just talking to the ones in the front row. He was shouting to the thousands, and people listened to him. You know, he became a thermostat. He raised the temperature so that it went from mocking and criticism to acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just, just, those are, those are powerful things, amen? I mean, we think sometimes that, that it has to be maybe even loud and so forth, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, Dave Spolem, Dave, raise your hand over there, Dave Spolem. So he's in the Cracker Barrel in Sioux Falls. And, and uh, they've got an area where they sell things and so forth. So David's talking to a friend there. They're visiting about the Lord and so forth. And then this guy comes around and he's asked if you were Christians, right? Yes. So he comes, he comes over to Dave and Dave's looking at him like he's telling a joke, of course. He's thinking this. And Dave asks if he's a pastor, and the guy says, no. He heard them talking just about Jesus, about loving the Lord, and so forth. Asked how he can become a Christian. Dave realizes he's serious. So in Cracker Barrel, the temperature in the merchandise area is raised, and David prays for this man to have a relationship with the Lord. Now that, see, see, we think sometimes... When I, when I became a Christian, so I started serving the Lord. No one, everybody knew me a certain way. So now I'm going into the, the commons area. So I'm in the Larson commons. And I'm sitting down. I'm, and so I get food. I'm praying. Just by myself, I'm praying. So after a week or so of this, some people come up to me and say, what happened to you? And I said, what do you mean? They said, you're praying. <laughs> you know, like, this is weird, you know, to see you bowing your head and you're praying before your food. Well, I told them about giving my life to Jesus. And see, they were, they, were, they were kind of amazed. Now, without realizing it, it was a message without a word. But yet, people were watching and seeing what was happening. 
Tonight we were talking about your flight in American Airlines. So they're coming back from Florida. And Janai has her Bible open, and she's reading her Bible. And there's a man across, right across the aisle, who was a wealthy man, and he asked you, what are you reading, right? And you said you're reading the Bible. And so for the next, for how long, the next hour or so? Three hours. <laughs> the next three hours, Janai's on this plane. Now, this guy's been drinking and so forth and all this and that. He's a businessman. But for the next three hours, he's asking questions. She's trusting God for answers on this flight, all because she had your, her Bible open, and he's looking at, what are you reading there? And why would you read that? And so on and so forth. So she began to share. And so in this, the atmosphere begins to change. You were a thermostat just by opening your Bible. Not ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You never know who's watching. And you influenced that man. It wasn't like you prayed with him to give his life to the Lord. But you influenced him. And that is a spiritual seed planted. <laughs> you know, so, so, I mean, he's got to be thinking along with his wife. Wow, now what was that about knowing Jesus and living for God? That's a real relationship. See, this isn't churchy. This is just a relationship. We talked about that the other night again. This relationship, this vertical relationship with Pastor Randall was talking about. Religion is one way. Relationship is another. And the relationship is life. Amen. Amen. There's life then when you're attached in that way. And people see those things. Amen. Influences their environment. We were, we were on a flight. Jeannie and I, we were heading the last uh, leg coming to India. We were going to land in Mumbai, and so we're probably a half hour away or so forth, and it's a long flight, and the steward came, stewardess comes over to us and said, you know, you folks have really been a joy to be around. Now, we hadn't shared anything with her, but you know, you say things like, please, thank you, and so forth, and we're talking, we're talking about the Lord and so forth, but she comes over to town and says, you folks have really been a joy to be around, and then we said, she said, why are you going to India? And we told her about uh, going to see churches and pastors and so forth. And, and then from behind us, behind us is an Indian couple. And they poke their head in the seat and say, yeah, we've really enjoyed listening to them also. <laughs> and it turns out this man and this woman were part of the church, Joel Osteen's church in Houston. And they were going to preach the gospel in India too. And so, so for hours they heard us talking or sharing or so forth like that, thinking, you know, so then we get started talking, really, you're going to India, India so, or going to preach. And so the atmosphere, though, was raised enough to affect that stewardess, affect people that were around us. So you never, you never know how God's going to work. But the thing is, just by not being ashamed of the gospel, the world, I tell you, is looking for answers. They're looking for answers. All they see is negativity. All they see is pessimism and people fighting and so forth. Now, if you see a real Christian, a relationship, and it has to be out there. This isn't an in here thing. It's out there thing. Then they can see it. Something can happen by you being a thermostat for God. There's a guy. Let's quickly go to Luke chapter 8 a second. They call him the Gadarene because that was the country that was around, the Gadarenes and so forth. Now, the disciples see this guy. They just see a crazy guy. This is a guy. He's had demons uh, for a long, it says for a long time. If you have demons a long time, it's going to affect your behavior more and more. All right. 
So this guy went from, uh, uh, you know, the high school annual of, of A.D. 15. People probably say, no, nah, this guy is most likely not to succeed. And going from bad to worse where he's cutting himself with stones. People cut themselves today and watch themselves bleed. We've ministered to a lot of people that way. Scars in their arms and so forth. Well, that isn't anything new. That's just demonic. People, people, the enemy, you know, people are hurting on the inside. This guy was that way. And, of course, went from bad to worse. Pretty soon he didn't wear any clothes. And he was demonically empowered, so he would break chains. They tried to chain him down, and he'd break the chains and so forth. And he lived in the hills, or he lived in the cemetery. He just lived all kinds of places. So when he sees Jesus, he cries out with a loud voice, all right? And the wonderful thing is, there's always hope. Say there's hope. You might think someone's too far gone. Uh, there's no hope for them. There's always hope. And this, even this, as bad as this guy was, he still had a choice and he still had a will, even those demons, to come to Jesus and bow down, all right? So, so uh, let's go to the next verses there. So Jesus ministers the guy. You know the story. The spirits, <clears throat> the spirits leave him and so forth. This is about his lifestyle and so forth, bound with chains and shackles and so forth, and, and driven by the enemy. The next verse then. So he gets, he gets saved, and the town people, of course, come out to see what happened because, because all these pigs died and all the things like this. And they find the man. Notice they find the man out of whom the demons had departed. Now notice he's sitting. He's not driven. He's not running. You know, he's relaxed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed. Say, that's good. And he is in his right mind. So three, th- three manifestations. He's at peace. He's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Gave him some clothes. He's wearing the clothes. He's in his right mind. He's conversing. All right. And the whole multitude uh, says, it says they were afraid. The whole multitude of the surrounding region asked Jesus to leave. Think of that. So here's this remarkable miracle. They know the demonized guy, and yet they ask Jesus, leave. We don't, we don't want you around here. And it says they were seized with great fear, and Jesus got back in the boat. Now, the next verse, I think it's verse 38. The guy says to Jesus, see, Jesus the disciples look at a guy and they see a crazy guy. Jesus looks at someone and sees an opportunity. He sees potential. If you have somebody that's really bugging you, that's probably a big club, isn't it? If you have somebody who's really bugging you, could be in your family, could be a, a work associate, could be anybody, but somebody that you really have a hard time getting along with, here's your opportunity, amen? Here's your opportunity to speak blessings into their life. And so the man who had the demons begged Jesus that he could stay with him. Notice he begged Jesus, I, I don't go, don't go. You, I just got set free, stay here. And Jesus, Jesus sends the guy away. Now, this guy, okay, so he's been saved for hours, all right? He's been saved for hours. And Jesus said, return to your house. This is a word I got in college as far as going to my hometown and sharing my faith. Return to your own house. Tell them the great things God has done for you. And Jesus went his way, or the man goes his way. So the guy, the guy, I'm just amazed. He takes the little bit that he knows. We sometimes think we really got to be educated. We got to know a lot. No, you just have to be connected to Jesus. You just have to love God with all your heart. 
You just, all you have to do is tell your story. Tell your story. So the little bit, the thimble full of Bible knowledge and so forth that he had, he goes around and he tells his family, his neighbors, the city, the country. He tells everybody about what? About Jesus. See, we get the devil's good at distracting Christians. Pretty soon Christians are talking about politics. Christians are talking about their church. People are talking about how bad the world is. Christians are talking about all the negative things. And all Jesus wants to do is that, hey, I want you to talk about me. Just talk about me. That's what this guy did. He goes back. There's power in that, folks. There's just power. Because the name of Jesus is above every name. So if they hear you talking about Jesus, it will have an impact on them. This guy goes to his area. And he tells them about Jesus. Jesus said, tell them, what, tell them what I've done for you. And he goes and he proclaims throughout the whole city the great things that Jesus had done for him. He just begins to proclaim it. The, the Hindu boy who's healed of leprosy is a walking testimony. It's like a billboard. Of the, how did that happen? Because of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is a healer. Jesus Christ is alive. So this man becomes a thermostat. We have lots of people who sit in church their whole life thinking, I've got to get strong enough, I've got to get mature enough, I've got to learn all these things to do something for God. And that's a lie. That's religion that says that. No, you just have to tell people your love for Jesus Christ. What did he do for you? Who do you love? What makes you the person you are? It's because of Jesus Christ. Amen? This isn't a church thing. It's a relationship thing. Amen? So, so we take that, and this man does those things. So Jesus comes back. I don't know if, they, if it was just happened that he did, or they sent a message, hey, have him come back again. So Jesus goes back to the same area. And now when Jesus comes back, the multitude, which is a lot of people, that's thousands of people, welcome Jesus. And then it says they're all waiting for Jesus. They're all waiting for this man who did these wonderful things for this young man who was so demonized. His life is transformed. This is it's stuff that has to sink down into our spirit, man. Amen? But God, God will use us to impact the world. I was talking with, with a pastor in Sioux Falls, and they have a giant food giveaway that happens every week. And there's no discrimination. So whoever comes, they give away food. Thousands and thousands of pounds every week. No strings attached. And so they have people come also from different religions. And so one of the ladies was a Muslim. And they start talking and about, she said, oh boy, thank you for doing all this. And, and, and for helping us and so forth. And, and he said, well, I'm sure the, the mosque helps you. And she said, the mosque never gives anything away. So she's there doing what? She's impacted by food that's helping her need that's coming from Christians. That say, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about your life. So she can look to one direction. A, nothing. Nothing. 
Nobody cares. The next one where nobody even knows her, and they receive her and welcome her. The impact, folks. That's why, that's why when we talk about even love, that's why we have to love people so we can get close enough to them, amen, to be around them to impact their lives. So the entire city is reached from a guy that people would say most likely to fail, that people gave no hope, but an entire city is reached. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. A couple more verses. We'll close. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Now we are ambassadors for Christ. You may not feel like an ambassador, but you really are right now. You are an ambassador for Jesus. You're not an ambassador for the church. You're not an ambassador for somebody else. You're not an ambassador for an America. We go to other places. I'm not an ambassador for America. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. He is the one that we represent. And that is now. Say now. now. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're an ambassador. Which means that you represent the king of kings. You're a thermostat for God. For God to use you to affect people on your job or wherever you're at. Amen. To use you to raise the spiritual temperature. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2 is the verse then that I like. It says, thanks be gone to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. So you become like a perfume or a cologne. Let me just say this. You ought to smell good. If you're negative, critical, pessimistic, and so forth, let me just tell you, that's, that's not a good smell. That doesn't attract anybody. That's like, oh, boy, they stink today. I don't get around them. But if it's a sweet smell, it's like, mm, boy, they're just always positive. Well, they, they just always have a kind word or they have something good to say. And, and then I see them praying at lunch. You know, I, I heard them talking about Jesus. That's a positive thing. Amen. So he's going to make manifest, in other words, he's going to make it evident everywhere. Notice it's everywhere. So this has to reach our jobs, has to reach our homes, has to reach every place we go. The sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ. Greg can go into a barn that stinks and shoe a horse. And before you know it, he might be saying, do you need prayer? And then he's praying for someone, maybe the, the prayer of life, you know, because of the fragrance of Jesus. In the natural, I don't know how he smells, but in the supernatural, he smells real good. <laughs> All right? So he's in a barn. I don't know how he smells that way. But in the supernatural, smells good. He influences people. See, it's just a matter, it's just a matter of saying, I, I'm willing, Lord, to be used. Amen. I'm willing, Lord, to be used. I mean, I always love that one, the, the horse that was so, the lady spent all this money on veterinary antibiotics and so forth, and this horse got snot out of its nose, and there, it was very sick and so forth. He's shooing the horse, and Greg could hardly, you know, hardly stand it gagging. The horse stinks so bad. And, and then he says, well, can I pray for the horse? And so he lays his hand on this horse. <laughs> And the horse, you know, you know, it's like this, you know, bucks up his head, prays, and bucks up his head, and the horse gets healed. And the Catholic lady wants to know about the power of God then, all right? She spent a lot of money on antibiotics for this horse that couldn't be healed. Now the horse is healed, you know, feeling its oats. So we can, you know, in all kinds of situations... 
Peggy's husband and I, we'd paint houses. And Paul and I, we'd sing on ladders. And we didn't realize it, but there was one lady who was a nurse at the clinic, and her husband was an engineer at the time. And, and uh, we didn't realize it, but to them, we became the singing painters. And we would sing, you know, and say, we'd sing hymns, and we'd sing praise songs, and we'd sing like that. Not realizing it, people are always listening. It raised the, it raised the, the temperature. You know, we did commercial jobs, and sometimes on a commercial job, you can have people, you know, they're swearing, blank, 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 blank. And we'd be on a scaffold and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, there's nothing wrong with equal time. There's nothing wrong with equal time. People can cuss and swear. The world doesn't think anything of it. But as soon as you say, hallelujah, praise God, all of a sudden everybody stands at attention like, and now they were just swearing, maybe even using the same, some of the same names. Now we're speaking the same name with reverence and the place stands still and the temperature rises. (laughs) That Sioux Falls lady or? Well, there was a, this was another time in Sioux Falls. But anyway, the lady, she hired us because and it was a simple job. French doors, real big house, real nice house. But she hired us because we said in the ad we're Christians. And it had the Sioux Falls shopper. So, so I'm painting this door and she comes down and she says, are you really a Christian? And I said, yeah. She said, no, I mean really a Christian. Are you really a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm really a Christian. And, I, and she says, I've never met one. I thought, oh. So I'm still painting, of course, and working on the trim on this door. And she's listening. And so I start telling her about Jesus. And in the process, mention Bible verses. And so just, just off my head, just mention some Bible verses and stuff. So the next day, I have to go over there to finish up. And she comes into this big foyer, beautiful house. And she has this big, ornate Bible. You know how de- people have decorative Bibles. And she said, I looked up those verses. And I said, oh, I mean, this lady was hungry. She, she did not know Jesus, had not known a Christian. Think of that. And so, so as I shared with her, then uh, I said, you know, there's a lot of folks who have everything money can buy, but they can't sleep at night. And she said, I'm one of those people. So I have everything. My husband's a contractor and so forth, but my son's on drugs and this and that and their family. I have everything, but no peace. I said, well, peace comes through Jesus Christ. And I said, you just have to pray and give your life over to Jesus. Well, she wasn't ready at that point. But later she called me again and she said, I got another room I want you to paint. And I said, you know, I said, I said to on the phone, I said, I don't think so. I think you just want to hear more about Jesus. And she said, that's, that's right. She didn't have anything. She just wanted to find me something to get me over there. And I said, no, you really? I said, no, this isn't hard. It's just about praying Surrendering to Jesus Christ is not a church. It's not religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if she ever prayed that prayer, but we become influencers. Amen? Amen. You're an influencer. When you leave here, wherever you go, you're an influencer. You're influencing in your house, but you're an influencer in your job. You're influencing if you go to the store, your mannerisms, how you act, how you treat people. And then, of course, if there's an opportunity to say something about Jesus. Don't say God, say Jesus. That's the name that's above every name. When that name is spoken, boom, something happens. And powerful things can take place. We're up to time here. But I just want to pray. Uh, uh, let's lift our hands a second. You know, we're less like a plug-in to the Lord here. 
But Father, we thank you for the power. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that each one of us are endued with power from on high. I thank you for touching people by your spirit, drawing people closer and closer. And Lord, I thank you. You've given them something to share. They can share your love. They can share how good you are. They can share their testimony, Lord God. I thank you. You're going to use them for your glory and honor. And so I speak blessings over them right now. Blessings this week even, Lord, that they would have influence. Influence on their jobs, their homes, wherever they go, Lord. Thank you for Holy Ghost influence. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor, for that great message. Hallelujah. I want to make a couple comments that I believe have some prophecy in it to to go from here. Uh, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Yes, he was. So I remember you preaching that years ago. So it's okay to have sinner friends. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And we want to have friends that aren't always in the fishbowl. Right? Right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Jabez said, Lord, enlarge my sphere of influence. Yes. Lord, enlarge my territory. Yes. So we can touch other lives. Yes. Just think about who shared with you. Who did you see Jesus in? Yeah. Who said to you, like, who did you go to and say, what is it about you? Yeah. So now you're that person and we want to give away freely. We've Amen. received freely give. Amen. Freely give it. So I believe today that we want to uh, do some more fishing. Amen. Amen. People in the front yes. row are all saying, yes, I sure do. <laughs> so go fishing in some new streams, some new rivers. Maybe yep. go fishing in the ocean. But let's quit fishing in the, the what is it, the pot, that little bowl that the goldfish live the in? The aquarium. There, the aquarium. Yeah. Thank you. Quit, quit fishing in the aquarium. Yes, yeah. do good to those people too. But uh, let's get a new sphere of influence and, and reach out to the lost. Reach out to sinners. Amen. Yes. Win the lost at every cost. Yep. Amen. 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 A good word. So I mentioned, I mentioned Dave Spolem. If you have a question, ask him about the Cracker Barrel time. Or Janai White, ask Janai about American Airlines uh, ministry or Greg Anderson, you know, being at the farms and stores and so forth. Just ask people, amen? Uh, that's, how we, that's how we all get encouraged, stimulated, amen? All right, let's stand up. Bless your neighbor. Come on out tonight. going to be a great night. Deb's going to share. Bring a friend, amen? Be an influencer, amen? Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.